You're listening to the Multifamily Women Podcast with Carrie Antrim, where we extract the knowledge from executive women in leadership and inspire emerging leaders with our thought leadership platform, offering a new model for personal and professional transformation. Hi there, and welcome to the Multifamily Women Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Antrim, and I have a really impactful show for you today featuring Keisha Fisher and Nicole Ray Churchill. Now, Keisha and Nicole both work for this little company you may have heard of called Graystar. You know, Graystar has a mere 63 offices serving more than 210 markets globally and more than 748,000 units and student beds under management. I invited Keisha and Nicole to join me on stage at the Multifamily Women's Summit to talk about shifting customer expectations and how that is changing how we work and how we lead teams. Women influence 80-ish percent of all consumer spending in the United States. Consider how your revenue goals and performance are influenced by women. For new technologies to serve multifamily properties and portfolios, products and technologies should be developed and inspired by a group as diverse as the customers they serve. The multifamily industry is rapidly changing and feeling the impact of technology, informed consumers, and market saturation. So the challenge is how to stand apart, how to stay relevant, and how to remain competitive in this new era. We think the way to do that is through intentional leadership, leaders who lead people over processes to a defined purpose. When organizations follow this model, hires are made based on fit, goals, and aspirations, not just skills and experience. There are some things that can be taught and some that can't. Customized training programs provide the tools and resources for associates to be successful, and leaders are trained to lead the individual, making the identification of future leaders a natural part of the process. Listen in to how Keisha and Nicole are implementing these strategies with their teams on a daily basis to continually surround themselves with top talent in the multifamily industry. I have Nicole Ray here and Keisha Fisher, both with Graystar. I feel like the Gray Star Posse oh, is right in this area right here. That's awesome. Thank you both for joining me today. Um, Nicole, you're based right here in, in the area. That's right? right. And Keisha is joining us from San Diego. Newport Beach. Newport Beach. Yes. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, I have these notes here, but with women contributing so much to the GDP, I mean... I have $26 billion in labor every day in the United States. How important is it that those voices, our voices, are represented in the higher levels, like in the, at the table with the decision makers? Well, I, I guess I can start. Number one, I wanted to make sure that my microphone is working. Thank you for having me. Good afternoon. Oh, and I'm sorry. I, I just jumped right in. Please tell, you know, tell everyone about yourself okay. too and what you're working on. I'm like ready to go. Come on. Here we are. I'm excited <laughs> this is, for this, this panel. This is the last session for the Oh, no, not because of that, because oh. I'm excited about our conversation. No, wait. <laughs> Fast, girl. Okay. Right, so, um, I'm Keisha Fisher, Senior Director of Operations for Graystar. I oversee the West Coast owned assets for development. So I'm special kind of crazy. I do all lease-ups, 100% lease-ups for my portfolio um, on the West Coast. So that's what I do. Uh, my name is Nicole Ray Churchill. I am the Managing Director of Real Estate for Graystar. I oversee all of the Arizona assets and corporate office. We are currently at 43, 44,000 units, about 160 buildings, and 
uh, we have the largest corporate office in the company at this point at about 400. That's great. Okay. So now back to my previous question. <laughs> Having, Good stuff. What was it? Does anyone remember? No, I'm just kidding. Um, women. Yeah, women at the top. How important is it? And, and how does that affect every decision that's made? Well, you know, I, I, I'll start. It's, it's been um, very pleasing. as I've been, I've been with Graystar 11 years. I started in 2010 as a regional manager, was promoted to director, senior director, and then promoted to managing director. So, you know, that growth within a company and for women, you know, can happen and does happen. And I've, I've been very pleased uh, at, at a company like that we work at at Graystar, our executive level directors. I mean, there's, there's a handful of women, I, I think, um, not on our executive committee. Uh, at this point, but at, at at the executive director level, there are a number. I, I would say four or five out of probably maybe twelve or so. Okay. And so it, it's been nice to see. It's it's still not uncommon for any of us. I'm sure you know. I know I walk into a room whether I'm with developers or big mega institutional clients to be the only woman in the room, um, the only one not wearing the the gray suit. And you know that's fine by me. Um, but it's, I still, I still do notice, but I would say overall, um, it has been, it has been getting better and better. And I'm, I'm very hopeful as I see women, um, in women in business and women in our industry taking advantage of opportunities more and, and in a more, um, strategic way to, to raise your hand and, and get out there and get noticed. And you know what? Don't be, you know, don't be afraid to kick down a few doors. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes you need to be a little relentless in standing up for yourself. And that, that sometimes, you know, that takes, uh, it takes a few years sometimes to get comfortable enough in your own skin and, and in your capabilities, but it's, it's really key. It's really key. Yeah, I think that it's, it's extremely important for women to sit at that table and not just because we're women. I mean, obviously I'm also a double minority, right? I'm a woman and I'm also a woman of color. And, um, in my position, I am the very first woman of color. And so, you know, being at that position in development and construction, I am typically the only woman in the room. Um, you know, speaking on construction and speaking on development is not typical for women, right? Um, you know, going in my construction boots and, and going on constructions and talking about the different things that involve development uh, is something that I've learned. I'm, I'm grateful and blessed to work for a company that I've also been able to grow with. I've been with Graystar for seven years started as a regional manager, um, was then promoted to the uh, senior regional manager for the development team, and then went to director and now senior director uh, overseeing the West Coast. So, you know, it's, it's something that you can do. It's something that you must do. Um, you know, speaking and being able to provide mentorships and speaking to other people and ensuring that women are at the table with you is extremely important. And it's important to pay it forward. I think that that's something that we've heard throughout this conference and understanding that it's important. People have helped me. There's several women in this room that I can look at and see that have helped me get to where I am today. And I think that it's very important for you to help other women get to that table as well. How are you identifying future leaders, both within the organization who you see and work with every day, but also outside the industry, bringing new people in? Are there certain characteristics or traits that you're, you're looking for? Mindset Trump skill. Ooh, okay. I think that that's the one thing that I look for is that I can teach you how to look at a report. I can teach you the gray star way, right? But I can't change your mindset. 
I can't make you more excited. I can't give you the energy. I can't give you the grit that it takes to be in this position. So, you know, if you have that mindset, I'm willing to spend the time. I'm willing to give you the attention and I'm willing to teach you to get there. So as I'm hiring people, I'm not necessarily looking for you knowing developments or knowing lease ups, but I am looking for you to have the energy and I'm looking for you to have the mindset to want to be the best and want to be the greatest. And that's what's most important for me. You know, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's kind of a mantra at Gray Stars is, you know, we hire for attitude. I think as you kind of move, uh, move up through the ranks and you realize that there's, there's a big difference between being a great leader and being a great manager. And leadership is, is by far more difficult. I, I spent 20 plus years becoming an expert at writing budgets and variance reports. And I spent a lot of years in development. And now I oversee the whole state. And I don't use any of those skills because um, I'm leading most of the time, which I happen to love, but the weight can be heavy. It is heavy. It's like, you know, the more responsibility you gain, I oversee about a thousand employees. I take it very seriously and it's a, it's a heavy weight. Um, although you wouldn't trade it for the world, you know, we hire for, le- for leadership is drive. It's, it's, it's competition. It's humility, vulnerability. Those, those are the, you know, it, it's, it's not about, you know, wearing your power suit and walking in and I've kicked down a few doors in my day, but I do it more on, you know, I, I, I love kind of the velvet hammer approach. Uh, if you know what I mean. Um, it's, it's having that ability to walk into a room as, as a leader and inspire and motivate, but also be real. Um, don't be afraid to shed a tear or be goofy. I, I, we were kind of teasing backstage about Zoom mania and the team's rooms. And, you know, that's my number one. Tuesday morning, we have our ops calls. I don't feel like being talking about, you know, um, what HR has to say that week or what's going on in construction services. But I put my lipstick on, a little lip gloss. You don't want to see the back of my hair. You do not want to see from below what's happening here. Yeah. Um, I don't even do the back of my hair anymore. Um, but I've got energy, right? And I'm like, hey, everybody, did you catch that Cardinals game? Did I know? But I saw on the news that morning that it was, you know, because you have to relate leaders. It, you know, you, you must relate to people and you must carry this, this humility with you as you go. That, that's really one of my key is we can hire and teach skill. Piece of cake. You know, above average intelligence, you know, to try to keep up with us. Um, but as, as, as far as leadership goes, the, the cocktail that makes up that special, um, those special ingredients is, is more about mindset, about, uh, really understanding the importance of leading versus managing. And when you start changing and you start moving throughout the ranks, always know that 80% of your time is people. It's not the reporting. It's not the work. It's not bringing in new business. It's people. And so if you are interested in people and if you are just a kind human being, you'll go very far. Um, it, it, that's what's most important. Be nice to people, be kind to people, be good to people. I think that sometimes you lose that when you're just trying to get there. You're competitive and you just want this title. But really, it's about being good to people and being nice to people and understanding that your mindset is everything. How you wake up in the morning, what you do, what's your theme song, what gets you out of bed when you can't get out of bed, because you have to share that. You have to tell those people that work for you how you get out of bed, because sometimes no one wants to get out of bed, right? But how do you do it? And then you have to share that with other people so that they can do it as well. 
How did you both personally develop that intentional leadership? Has, has it just come naturally for both of you? Do you work at it? Have you studied things? What do you do for yourself to be able to show up that way? This, I mean, what you're saying is really resonating. How do you, what do you do for yourselves in order to, to do that for your teams? I read. Yeah. I read a lot. I ask questions. Um, and one question that I always ask people that work for me is, what can I do better? Um, I think that sometimes when you get to certain levels, you think I've made it, right? And, and I've done it. But you still have more to learn. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. Um, and I can learn from someone who works for me. I can learn from someone who works for them. And so for me, it's just constantly being in that growing, constantly understanding that, ask the questions and, and understand what other people have to offer. And sometimes I need that song, right? And, and sometimes I need to talk to that person that I know is my advocate, for me and say, you know what, you did that and you can do that again tomorrow or you can do that again today, regardless of what you're going through. You know, I think intentional leadership, as, as I think about really the last year and a half, mm-hmm. where we all had to almost overnight change just about everything, you know, the way we did everything business. in our life. Yeah. Um, and finding yourself, I know I found myself in management land, which is sometimes necessary when you realize that, you know, you've got to manage your way through this process. But when you do get stuck there in management land and you're very task driven, it, it really does pull you away from that true leadership of uh, looking in the mirror. I know I look in the mirror every night and, you know, as I'm putting, taking half an hour to put on all my creams and moisturizers, I'm looking at myself and saying, not enough. It's not enough. Um, because the responsibility for others is so great. So intentional, um, don't let yourself get stuck in a, a task driven world only. Uh, you know, it's, we all have tasks. I, I was we spent all week writing a business plan that the founder of Graystar will see. And that's, that's, that there's a little pressure in that. But as I sit in my office and I've got these deadlines, someone walks in and I can see the look on their face and they're like, what, they want to knock. They don't, you know, do you have a minute? I know you're busy, but then what comes after that? But do you have a minute? And I'm looking at my computer screen and I'm looking at the time and I say, of course, close it. They sit down and you're, you know, it'll get, it'll get done. Um, And even if you have to be late to another meeting or um, miss a deadline, I'd much rather do that and explain to anyone I work with why. I did an interview the other day that went half an hour long. And it was, uh, it, it pushed everyone else behind because we were having a big virtual meeting next, uh, the next day and I showed up a half hour late and, but I wouldn't trade that for the world because that was really important for that person. This was a big interview and I'm not going to let go. Oh, there you go. It's two o'clock. I've got another meeting. Be intentional about not getting stuck in management land if you want to really grow into true leadership. Any emotional IQ. You know, and understanding that you have to meet people where they are. And sometimes that may not be where you want to be. But again, it's important to them. And if it's important to them, then it should be important to you. Always give them that minute. You have so many minutes in the day that you are in management land, that you do have tasks that need to be completed and reports that are due. But spend that time with people because they'll remember that. And they'll remember that time that you spent with them. And they'll ensure that if you need something from them, they'll reciprocate. But it's so important as a leader to give people your time. Time is so important. And it's so important to build a team because that's how you build trust. You can't build trust with tasks. 
You build trust with experience and you build trust with time. You know, I'll just add, I was thinking about when you're saying that about I've learned as much about being the type of leader I want to be by working for um, an individual that I, I learned so much from him because I wanted to be the opposite of him. <laughs> and I'm sorry, it wasn't him. Um, but but I've, I, I did. I learned so much from him. And I don't even know. He was, he was kind of old school at the time. And this was... This was a good 15, 16 years ago. I did not keep up with him. Um, it ended up becoming a me or him situation. And I'm, st- I'm, you know, I was him still here. Um, but I did learn so much. And so watch leaders around you and, and aspire to be the best leader. You, you the best leader, you the best leader, not my version of the best leader. Get comfortable in your own skin. And you know what? The sooner the better. I, I can say I, you know, I'm on the other side of 50 and it, it took me way too long. Because I'm having a lot more fun now. Being goofy or, you know, you don't always have to sit and be the perfect and the perfect. And That's hard because I think a lot of the prover yeah. earned the ability to be goofy yet, right? Or something like that. There's some weird narrative happening in our head. Do that, like you just said. Yeah. Well, it was like the young lady said earlier, right? And she's like, you know, do I go get my professional makeup done? How do I have to be? Who do I have to be today? Right. right. And do I have to be different? And I think that the one thing about this conference was no one had to be different. Everyone that came to this conference came as they are. They were able to leave as they are. There was no judgment. You were able to come and you were able to meet people and have conversations and enjoy it. That's what this is about. That's what this conference is about. And that's why we're here. Yeah. What I'm hearing is next year we get to wear our sweatpants and, and slippers and jammies. I like it. I love it. Um, so talk to me about, Keisha, I think you're on the, what is it called? The Global the Innovation Innovation Committee. Yes, is that what it is? Tell, tell us a little bit about that. That sounds pretty interesting. So I'm an innovation geek, right? Like I love innovation. I love change. I am all about changing processes, making things more efficient, looking at technology. I started in the industry as a temp leasing consultant, just kind of dropped in and never left. And, you know, technology for me is important. I think that what we as an industry have done have always been very old school. We've always been behind as far as multifamily is concerned. And COVID pushed everybody into this technology platform, uh, which I was already in the space. And so understanding what that innovation can do for your teams is priceless. Understanding how you can make things more efficient for your teams. How can you make things less mundane and still be teaching them? Uh, how do you want to be learned, right? How do you want to learn things? What's your knowledge? What makes you tick? You have to figure that out. And innovation is very important in our industry right now, whether it's smart technology in your buildings, whether it's smart technology and getting on one platform, right? I remember having to have seven logins as a leasing consultant because I had to go and lead to lease. I had to go and ops. I had to, you know, all these different things. And as a company, we're moving towards one platform. So, you know, right now, all of my assets are on Intrada, one platform. They don't go anywhere else to do anything. Not for work orders, not for resident portals, not for work, anything. And so looking at things more efficiently and trying to figure that out is extremely important. And innovation is part of that. You know, we have to accept that, right? We were talking about typing up leasing leases in a typewriter. I did that, you know, and I remember that. But now, you know, we have so much technology that's at the fingertips. And there are so many things that we can continue to learn. And in order to keep your on-site teams vested, they can't be doing the same thing every day. 
They can't continue to be mundane and just let me put in guest cards. Let me call these people back. You know, how can you keep them invested? How do you do these smart locks? How do you do Stratus? What type of app do you use? What are you doing? And so that's what really got me into innovation. And my teams know I pilot everything. And so, you know, when, when our founders like, let's pilot this, I'm like, sure, I'll pilot it all my properties. Let's do it. You know, and so my team now is they're change innovators. They love it. They're like, okay, can I be on that pilot? Because they get to make it better. And I think that that's what people have to understand. It's not that we're trying to take your job away. You know, you can't take a body away because you still need the human touch. But innovation is so important and it's so important for you to accept that innovation is important. Remember when we were going into the year 2000, they were like, oh my God, all the computers, they're going to crash. Everything's going to crash. Everything, go to the grocery store, get everything that you need, right? What happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. And so, you know, understand that innovation is something that is pushing our industry forward, not backwards, and embrace that. Because the the higher the people that embrace it, the more your on-site staff will embrace it as well. Well, that's a big part of it because it rolls, you know, if, if you're not in, in enthusiastic and accepting of change, it, it will not, uh, it will not bleed down to, to your teams. It, it just won't. And especially during periods where we've been forced to kind of step out of our comfort zone the way we have with COVID. But I, w- I will say this. And one thing I want to say that you did when you said your founder, when they're asking for, you know, we want to do pilots. Graystar is a very big company. 20,000 employees were global, China, Australia, India, South America. Uh, it's a very progressive, sophisticated group. And when you get something that big moving that fast, because we do move very fast. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm practically like taking deep breaths because I've been going, you know, I love, you have to love it. But when you said there's a pilot and that you raise your hand, that's kind of, I, I think, a key to successfully building your career. Even if you don't believe in it, even if you're not excited about it, raise your hand. There's a uh, special project or there's a due diligence or there, I mean, you never know what it's going to be. Get noticed and raise your hand as often as you can and get noticed and get yourself out there. The people that typically get promoted in my group, we just promoted a young guy actually, uh, William, Billy, that I've known since he was an assistant manager. And I swear in the last five years, everywhere I go, I see Billy. <laughs> Whether I'm at the Arizona Multi-Housing Association or whether I'm at a due diligence, I'm at a training, Billy is was there. And guess who just got promoted? Billy. Because he wasn't afraid to put himself out there. But when it comes to innovation and technology, I think one thing that we have learned as a company, and sometimes the hard way, is that... Um, you know, be methodical about change. And in, when you're in a company and rolling out uh, change and new processes, uh, you, you really find that the brain damage, you know, when you roll out new technology without proper, and I think for us it was challenging in the last year because of COVID. We did acquire one of our larger competitors, Alliance Residential, uh, 15 months ago. And here we are sitting in our home offices, um, and we've got all this technology moving. It, it was... Um, we had to change budget platforms. We had to change all their softwares. And it, it really, technology can, um, it can make or break a company. But I think when a lot may not realize how quickly the industry is moving forward, really kind of at light speed. And the sophistication level in our softwares and in our practices is increasing, but so is our clients. And on any given day, I have a number of institutional clients where they know more about what's going on at our property than we do. 
I mean, they will literally call you and say, what, you know, why, uh, why did it take 14 days to turn that apartment? Or why didn't this resident or this lead get the call returned in 24 hours? And it's like, we're like, uh, 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 <laughs> you know, we don't even know if we're supposed to be wearing masks or if our doors locked or unlocked. And, and the, the clients are becoming more sophisticated too. And as far as innovation, they, um, you know, they're all about it, but you better make sure you know what you're doing. I, I just see, um, it's easy for us to roll out programs or for the company to roll out initiatives, but I, I get frustrated sometimes when you, when you don't take the time um, to, to make sure that you're not uh, turning into kind of this freight train that is just kind of mowing over people as they're trying to, uh, you know, I don't believe in dragging people into the future. I won't drag you, but I'll hold your hand. And sometimes I think with innovation and speed, sometimes it kind of can collide. And, mm-hmm. you know, t- to be mindful of that is, is something that I, I, I try to practice and um, bubble up the food chain. Mm-hmm. You think about shifting, you know, customer expectations, especially like you said, it's changing at light speed, uh, you know, with Amazon and the two day prime. And if it takes three days, I'm like, <laughs> What the heck, Jeff? Bezos, like three days, I don't understand. And even, you know, DoorDash and Uber Eats, you know, prior to COVID, that was like, oh man, it was has either a special occasion or something. Like I couldn't leave my office. Now it's like, it's Tuesday. I'm going to DoorDash my lunch because I don't feel like going out. Right. Um, and I also didn't bring my lunch today. So I'm wondering if, if these shifting customer expectations, are they taking us to new places? Like, where do you see, is it exciting? Is it scary? Where do you see the future of work going? It's a little bit of both. I think it's exciting and it's scary all at the same time because not only are our clients getting more sophisticated, but boy, are those residents. Right. You know, those residents are sophisticated. They're looking for smart locks. They're looking for Nest thermostats. They're looking for things that we didn't think were important. And so if your companies are not actually surveying your residents, I would definitely encourage you to do so because you want to know what they want. They're our consumers. We may think that it's super cool, but for them, it's something that they need and they want. I mean, some of the things that we're doing are changing how we we program our amenities in the new developments, you know, doing Zoom rooms, doing green screen rooms, doing things that are really very different than kind of your old school business center. Right. And, and looking at different ways to be able to implement things at amenities and inside of their, your units that are very different. Um, and, and so looking at one app platforms, you know, don't have your residents. I know some of you guys at home might have smart homes. How many apps do you have? Right. And, and how easy can you make that for a resident? Can you get a one app solution for your company that works well? Can you ensure that that one app solution works for them and says, OK, my thermostats are in here. My smart locks are in here. You know, we have a, a, a saying at Graystar, it's sidewalk to sofa. And that's what we want our residents to do. We want them to be able to go from the sidewalk to the sofa without putting out anything except their cell phone. And that's what we're striving for. And that's what we've been striving for for quite some time. And we're almost there. And, you know, these are things that residents are looking at. We, we always looked at walk scores, right? And, and how close are you to walk to things? Well, now they're looking at doing smart scores. How smart is your building? What kind of smart technology do you have in your building? That's what's coming up next. So, you know, not just looking at where can I walk to, because to Carrie's point, who's walking anywhere? (laughs) Not this girl. Not this one either, right? It's like, what can I get delivered and how quickly can I get it delivered? And what can I do in lightning speed? And that's where innovation and that's where technology comes from. What can I do fast? What can I get fast? Residents want fast solutions, fast solutions, right? When they're calling and they're asking for things, whether it's a work order, they want fast solutions. How are you going to do that besides innovation? How are you going to do that besides technology? 
Well, and then I think the scary part is the, like you've said in, in I think a previous question is trying to consider the human touch as we become um, more sophisticated, moving faster, uh, virtual leasing, virtual renting, virtual renewing. And then we come and we survey at, for Graystar. I know we survey when you, you know, when you tour, when you move in. Um, upon renewal, after work orders, and then we also, of course, have our ORA, our social media. Um, but we're losing that that human touch. And I know everyone out there is trying to figure out how do we move forward with this innovation, so important, changing the industry, but yet, you know, here go our renewals. And we're not creating that stickiness with our own community so that people want to stay because you you like to live where your friends live, Right. Um, that's, that's what, that's the scary part. And it's the scary part too about, you know, the, the virtual business climate that we find ourselves in too, in that you don't have those opportunities to build culture to, we were joking around about, you know, you don't, you know, when you're at the office, you don't realize really how much, how important the, that, the chit chat and the cooler time and the birthdays. And, you know, you may roll your eyes because there's another birthday. Right. Like, oh God, now I have to go eat birthday cake. Um, <laughs> But you don't realize how important it really is towards building that stickiness in, in, with your peer set. And why, you know, of course, why is that important? But don't you want to know that I've got your back? Well, if you don't even know me, you only know that this, you know, this face that shows up on Zoom every once in a while, it, it's, it's, um, it's concerning. Mm-hmm. It's exciting, but it's also concerning. And, and yeah. as a leader, it's very challenging. Uh, it, th- those are the types of things that keep me up at night is, you know, when can we have a community manager's meeting? I had uh, two virtuals so far this year, and you know you try so hard to emit your passion uh, for this industry and for these people, but there's only so much you can convey on a computer screen. Mm-hmm. But yet, if we have 160 buildings, that means anytime we all get together, it's 160 managers. There's 25 regionals in, in Arizona. I know Southern California must have 40. Or something. Yeah, we have 47. Four, I mean, regionals, and that's just in, in Southern California. Yeah. How do you create stickiness there? I mean, that's where all this technology and innovation. We're, we're, we got to be careful about not losing that. Yeah. Uh, what makes what makes you great is not going to be solely technology and innovation. It's going to be people. It, yeah. And, you know, I think that, that it always goes back to the people and how do the people feel about what you're doing and how do the people feel about the innovation that you're doing and are you losing your culture in that? I think sometimes, you know, we're, we're moving so fast and we're moving at lightning speed, but are you forgetting about your culture? Are you forgetting about what you're creating and the environment that you're creating? You know, a young lady said earlier, I want to work for a company that people want to work for. You know, I want to create an environment where they know that, that I have their back, right? Where they know that they're coming to support you. And I think that that's important. It's, it's something that you can sometimes lose, but sometimes you have to figure out a way to get there. Even if it is through a computer screen, if it is, you know, that's what you have to work with. Right. Are you training differently because of all that? Mostly virtual. Yeah. Mostly virtual. You know, and who's to say what in two years? I think it'll look more hybrid. Um, because I certainly am very, anxious to to start having those in-person meetings and trainings again because it does it creates it's it, it's an investment it creates longevity for the company employees don't like to feel like a number and it doesn't matter if you've got a hundred or a thousand or twenty thousand or you know it no one likes to feel like a number right. so that that's where the in-person can never be it can never really be replaced is, is having that eye to eye contact and saying you know like what's going on in your world how can I help you yeah how can I support you 
I can imagine what it'll be like when, when, you know, when you finally do get to, there's probably team members you've never met in person, you know, that were hired during COVID and you've never actually met them in person. Yeah. Especially because we, um, you know, with our acquisition of Alliance, there are several people that we've never seen. Yeah. Um, and that's difficult. It's difficult when you're, you're taking over a company and you want them to feel included and you want them to be part of your culture, but you've never seen them. You know, and it's hard to create that. So, you know, we're really excited for a time where, where we can get together and because that's how you create relationships. Um, unfortunately, we're just kind of not in that time just yet. And most of the things that we do are virtual. Yeah. Um, I want to remind everyone, if you have questions, please just shoot a hand up and we'll get a mic to you as well. Um, and you can do the, the, on the Slido as well. Let me check. Just make sure. Okay. One piece of advice that has stuck with you along your career journey. For me, that's easy and that's be yourself. And I, I like I, I said a few minutes ago, I wish I would have taken that. Uh, I was very much a driver. I'm always going to be a driver. Um, very competitive, mostly with myself, but, um, I mean, I'll even race myself at the grocery store, like time myself when I get there, like 20 minutes, no more than 20 minutes. And then I'm over there, like looking at nail polish, like essentials. Um, but, but I was so driven and really wanted to, you know, that to climb that corporate ladder. I was always worried and anxious and driving towards that next position. And always trying to look the part, act the part, all, you know. And then finally it was actually a supervisor, a woman supervisor that said to me, and this is, I was a previous, my previous company, I was doing asset management. And she said, finally, I think we were sitting around having a glass of wine. And she said, we were traveling and she said, you know, Nicole, stop trying so hard. You're it. You're it. You're it now. Mm -hmm. Quit trying to be something that, uh, and it, it really resonated with me, you know, because I would watch her in meetings and she'd kind of be, you know, she'd like be a little comfortable and I never, I'm not that comfortable typically, but she'd be wearing a sundress and high heel sandals and I'm in a suit with a French twist, you know, and I'm the, the two of us. And now I'm, I found my own version because, you know, I'll show up in a blazer and jeans or I'll, sh- I'll show up how I show up. And um, I'm comfortable in my own skin, and and I that was uh, if I can just tell you, it it is so attractive, and and it draws people to you when they can feel that it, it you know you can't fake integrity, right. you, you know being genuine and being warm and being vulnerable, you can't fake it. I've seen a lot of people try to fake it in my in my career and in your personal life, right? You can fake it a little bit, but sooner or later that that thing is going to come out. So yeah, be yourself. It's, it's so simple. Mine is do the right thing. Um, you know, one of my mentors just told me, do the right thing. And he gave me my first manager position and um, still my mentor to this day. And um, it's just do the right thing. I think that sometimes we lose track of what our core values are and what we really believe in. But if you just do the right thing, you're typically going to make the right decision. And always take the high road. Yes. Always. Agreed. Even if it's, you know not fun, not popular. Mm -hmm. We decided this year, um, I decided, but I took a poll, um, the the Arizona Multi-Housing Association Tribute Awards uh, were back in August and um, I had reserved, I was bringing 130 people, I had reserved 12 tables at $18,000. And as the Delta variant became more progressive, uh, I started to get more and more uncomfortable, Um, talked to the senior directors, talked to my leadership, our, our leadership, Mike Clow, 
said, um, do the right thing. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's the easy answer. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, as usual, woman making the, you know. So I ended up calling the, the team, the, the regional team, and um, looked at their feedback and decided, you know what? It's, it's not, we're not comfortable and we're, we, I can't do it. And we walked away from $18,000. And cause um, it's not always about you. Yeah. You may have been comfortable. It may have been fine for you. Some people were okay, but I'm not going to take that chance. 22. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, it, it was, it's those, those types of decisions as a leader, it's hard and it, it's hard to be the bad guy, but it, you know, when you know it's the right thing, it's worth it. And at the end of the day, you have to sleep at night. That's right. Right. Absolutely. And it's much easier to do that when you know, you know, that decision sucked, but it was the right one, right? It was, it was hard yep. and people might not be happy, but it was the right one. Be strong, strong enough yeah. to say, uh, no. You said you both started at Graystar in a regional position. What, what got you into the industry? You know, you had said that you started in a temp position, but what, what brought you to the industry? So, no one wakes up and, you know, when they're 12 and says, you know what? I want to be a leasing agent. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that too bad, too? Right. Because it's such a fabulous industry. It's amazing. It really and is. It's so much fun. I mean, I was an accountant at PricewaterhouseCoopers. Oh, wow. And I was like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at this You're computer. There's so much energy. I'm talking to people on the phone. I'm like, <laughs> You know, but I was good at accounting. Someone told me to do it and good money, right? But all money ain't good money. And so, um, you know, I, I was there and I quit, didn't really have a job. And a friend of mine was like, you know, you should go try being a leasing consultant. My friend's at this temp agency, CSI. And I'm like, all right, cool. Been doing it ever since. Never stopped. So I, uh, I wanted a free apartment. <laughs> <laughs> And I got it, and I met my first husband because he owned a little carpet cleaning company. But yeah, I um, I had heard from someone somehow, and this is back in the uh, early '90s. Yeah, you can get a free apartment, and so I went and got myself. I saved up my money. I went and got my real estate license because I thought that sounded really official. And um, I got my real estate license. I got my first job, and I got my apartment. And then yeah. 25 plus years later, it's, it's, it, the industry really is. And the, the previous panel and talking about, because I, I see so many people and for Graystar, you know, as a global company, uh, you know, I know several people that are either working in Hawaii or London, or now we have a, a new office that's just opened up in India. Yeah. So we're going to be a 24 hour workforce. Wow. Uh, so I've got my first email actually from a, a lady named Bindu. I think it was a lady. I don't know, but the name was pretty. It was Bindu and I, and it was accounts payable. Uh, and it came in in the middle of the night, uh, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, we're a 24 hour workforce. Wow. Yeah, you can go business development, wholly owned at development. It's really neat to be in development because as an asset manager, I would show up to construction. I'd be like, move this window, but move that cabinet, and this should go like this. And they're like, okay, and they're running around taking these notes. And it's like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> it just looks prettier that they way. Just, right? They listen. Uh, and it's fun bossing men around and then a hard hat. Um, it is so, let me just uh, tell you, right? And I have bedazzled hard hat. So <laughs> mine has bedazzles all in the front. And so they're, they're like, oh, here comes Keisha, right? That's and, right. And with this dynamo, I can imagine. I believe like, it. At first, they're thinking, oh, who's that? And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh. Uh, <laughs> Keisha I'm here. Short, right? yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm short. I got a construction hat, big boots. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm coming. No matter if, you know, if you're at what level you're at, 
marketing, development. We have a client service team that's phenomenal. They, all they do is prioritize client needs, talk to clients, act as kind of a, a go-between to like liaisons, software, training. Um, I mean, it's really crazy how, and we see people popping all over the world, uh, across departments, jumping into marketing and jumping back. One of my senior directors was our senior director of marketing for three years, Connor. And now he's back into operations, which is where it's at, obviously. Um, <laughs> but the growth, you know, the growth in the industry and then to really always be, um, I, I do, I wish in, in high school and colleges where we're working on it. I know my, we have two recruiters in Arizona and we're tr- constantly getting out there. Now we're, we're not going for the college age kids anymore. We're going straight to high schools. Mm-hmm. Um, to get, but I never thought, I knew I wanted to be a boss of something and young, you know, cause I was very bossy at the time and I thought, well, maybe I'll just make a career out of it. And I would have never dreamed that I have the responsibility I have or I make the money I make or the people I get to work with mm-hmm. uh, as a leader. It's a dream come true. And this industry from a, you know, 22 year old that wanted a free apartment. Uh, I don't have a college degree, by the way. And I'm proud to say it. Yeah. I don't, you know, my daughter has a college degree. I made sure of that. Um, but I think it's pretty cool. And a lot of times, you know, gray stars daunting. Right. We have 20,000 people that work for us. We're in 13 countries. Right. And when you talk about um, 600 582,000 units that we oversee in the United States, oh. people just think that it's a monster. Nicole works in Arizona. I work in California. I was so excited to see her. We're hugging backstage. Right. You know, we have lip gloss in our hair. All right. Uh, you know, it's it's a family. It's it's truly a family. You know, ladies came just to see me. You know, Graystar is is big and it's daunting. But what I will say is that you can create a work family in whatever work you're in. And I wish that I had known about it in college, you know, and, and I'm on a DEI community now that we're going and we're recruiting at different colleges because this is an amazing industry. You can be creative. You can be an accountant and do financials. You can go into marketing. You can go on the vendor side. You know, there's so many opportunities in multifamily that people have no idea exist. I didn't. You know, I got out of college. and I'm like, I'm going to go work for a nonprofit. And I went and worked for the Girl Scouts for a little while, you know, and, and then ended up in multifamily and just loved the people. You know, people ask me why I'm in multifamily. Why do I continue to work for Graystar? It's the people. Um, there's nothing other than being able to see friendly faces like Nicole in another state, being able to have work family that's like, oh, my God, you're speaking. I will be there. You know, these are people that you meet, that you grow with, that you're excited to see and you're excited to be a part of. Uh, and, you know, we have to get that word out because people don't know. They don't even know it exists. How many of you never even lived in an apartment your entire life? So you didn't know that leasing offices even existed. And so, you know, things like this, our conferences, being out and being speaking and, and talking to people at Starbucks, talking to people at Macy's about what you do will bring the most phenomenal people in your lives. That was magic, all of that. <laughs> Anything further? That was amazing. Thank you guys so much for being here. Were they amazing or what? Were they wonderful? Let's hear it. Nicole and Keisha. Hi. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the Multifamily Women podcast. To register for the upcoming Multifamily Women Summit, be a guest on this podcast, or join the Women's Leadership Series, visit multifamilywomen.com.